The Rangers have their ace, Jacob deGrom, for the next five years. Now, who is he and what do the Rangers do now? I'm going to talk about all that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked onto the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all four seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers and subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment any single thing below. Now, Jacob DeGrom, in case you missed the news this weekend, came out late Friday night. He is a Texas Ranger for the next five years. The Rangers got their ace, but they're not done, and they cannot afford to be done with how good Jacob DeGrom is. They cannot afford to waste a single minute of the best pitcher in baseball, maybe even the best pitcher ever in baseball. He has been described um, by a, this is from Levi Weaver of The Athletic, um, talked to a non-Rangers front office about how good DeGrom really is. He said, quote, if he were healthy, he'd be the Barry Bonds of pitching, end quote. He's that good. He is absolutely that good. The guy has three, count them, three 80 grade, top of the scale pitches, his fastball, his slider, and his changeup, all top end of the scale. He's also got another pitch that's probably, probably double plus in his curveball that he just never, ever throws really because he doesn't need to because he's got, you know, pinpoint command and just absolutely disgusting raw stuff on the other ones that all play perfectly off each other. He throws exactly where he wants it to pretty much every single time and is just unheard of good. But how did he get to be this good? He wasn't always this good. He was not supposed to be anywhere near this good. The guy was a ninth round pick out of Stetson College in DeLand, Florida. He wasn't even a pitcher until his final year of college, his junior year. Never a top 100 prospect, came up on a staff of elite Mets starting pitchers, a lot of young aces that were thought to be the next big thing. Well, a lot of them turned out to be pretty good, but Jacob deGrom turned out to be even better than all of them. He never ranked higher than 14th on the MLB pipeline, top uh, 30 Mets prospects. He was not even really a factor. This is a a report that I, I want to read to you about him in 2014 um, from baseball perspectives. It's really, really, this is the year that he came up in around the early early-ish in the season and won NL Rookie of the Year. This is what they had to say about them. It's not to pick on them specifically, but this is kind of the general consensus on Jacob deGrom before his rookie year. Quote, it's not overly sexy profile, but it can be effective as the former ninth round pick in 2010 was building, able to build on a strong 2012 season and push himself up the ladder towards a major league day, major league opportunity with a, with good size and long and lean athleticism. DeGrom can throw strikes and log innings, usually 90 to 94 mile an hour fastball. will do some sync to do some of his dirty work, flashing quality slider, playable changeup as well. Sources aren't sold. He is a viable major league starter, but could find a home in the bullpen. 
where the 25-year-old arm could offer versatility, pushing the arsenal up a few ticks to work in bursts or chew innings in a long relief slash spot starter capacity, end quote. That, that's what they said about Jacob deGrom. And you know what? That was how everyone kind of felt about Jacob deGrom. Well, except for him. He is a guy who has just continued to get better and better and better and better. As he has aged, he has just been marvelous and continues to get better. He might even be better this next year than we saw him when we saw him last, which was he was fantastic the last two years. Even though he's missed time, he has been solid fantastic in those spurts where we have seen him he was a college shortstop in college he only pitched 17 games 82 and a third innings 56 strikeouts four and a half era he had tommy john surgery out there i was like okay well that was a nice little pick uh maybe he'll end up you know making a major league debut and eating an inning or two well uh he ended up being fantastic and winning multiple cy youngs maybe has multiple cy youngs in his future could be just absolutely outstanding for these texas rangers but he does have an injury history the last couple of years he hasn't pitched more than 100 innings in each of those seasons didn't pitch 100 innings in 2020 but again that was a shortened season but it's really just been those two injuries that aren't necessarily concerned and it feels like everyone is just, everyone that I see, everyone on Twitter, all these writers that I'm seeing, all the people who I'm talking to in DMs, it's just it's a certainty that DeGrom is absolutely going to get hurt. Well, he really doesn't have that much of an injury history before these literally just two incidents. He had a bicep injury that caused him to miss time in 2016. But other than that, he pitched 190 plus innings every year after that till the 2020 season where it was a shortened season he was healthy pretty much every year five years straight of being healthy was healthy after that tommy john surgery didn't have a whole lot of wear and tear from him in college or i guess probably in high school i don't know if he pitched in high school i can't find out that information um maybe someone will ask him in his press conference probably not they've got some more important things to ask him but the point is even though he is a little bit older he doesn't have a huge huge workload on his arm and the thing with pitchers is there's always inherent risk of just being a pitcher in this day and age. I mean, look at the Prince Fielder trade. The Rangers did a full medical workup on him. He was the healthiest guy in baseball. And, you know, three years later, he had a career-ending injury, couldn't play baseball anymore. It's just the nature of the game. Everything is risky, especially with pitchers more so than position players. But if you're going to take a risk on a guy, why not the guy who has been the best pitcher on the freaking planet for the better part of a decade. That's who I'm taking my risks on. And, you know, it is it is definitely worth the risk, in my opinion. By the way, the Mets did finally, uh, it took them a whole three days, I think, two days, however much, whatever time is. Um, yeah, two days to replace Jacob deGrom in their rotation with another top of the rotation guy. They signed Justin Verlander to a two-year, $86 million deal right before I started recording this podcast. It's got a vesting option for the third year. Justin Verlander is out of the AL West, so Rangers fans can rejoice. It's going to be really interesting to see if if all those people who were you know praising the Mets, calling them geniuses, geniuses for not taking the risk on a guy who is old and injury prone in uh, Jacob Degrom, as opposed to instead signing a forty year old who was healthy this season, did win a Cy Young, but had missed two seasons prior. 
It's going to be interesting if, if there's any little shred of irony in um, their critical thinking of, yo, we, we clowned them for, for this. Maybe we should also, um, or we, we praised them for letting that guy go. Maybe we should clown them for, for this. But it, it probably won't go that way. But that's fine. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Coming up, we're going to get into some of the specific. We found out some more contract details about that final year vesting option and what the Rangers do now. Are they done? How much can they spend? But first, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We are always the fastest and easiest way to get in your betting fix. They have some World Cup odds. They have got some NBA odds. They have got some Aaron Judge odds. If you're feeling really good about the Rangers, you know, doubling up, they have said they wanted to get a bat. Um, well, they got the they got the best pitcher on the market. Maybe they can go and get the best hitter on the market as well. That would be some kind of a coup. I think it would. I think it might be uh, a little bit. Out of their, you know, priority range, I think it might be more a priority for the Giants and the Yankees, who it seems to be a two-team bidding war. But if you're feeling spicy, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Now, what do the Rangers do next? They still need one starting pitcher, they need one bat, and I think I think I'm fully all in on the Rangers just going and getting Carlos Rodon. I think that should be the Rangers' next option. Before I have said, oh well, if they if they do spend this, then they're probably out on, you know, they're probably out on Rodon. I I don't think that's the case because right now the payroll sits at 138 million dollars. I think it was projected by Track to be 168 million at the start of next year. So that's um, 30 million dollars to play with. So that gets you say say Rodon gets a three year or five year hundred and fifty million dollar deal. Now there are some reasons that I would be a little concerned about getting Rodon putting him at the top of your list because both of those guys both these guys do have an injury history. Rodon's is less recent, but still as, as recent as twenty twenty one. He has had a lot of injury concerns, it had a huge, huge workload, but he showed he could be healthy last year. And I think having those two as your one-two punch at the top of your rotation in DeGrom and Rodon, I think that puts you right in the conversation with the Mets as the best one-two punch at the top of a starting rotation in Major League Baseball. That's how good these two would be together. Now, I think that he definitely poses, Rodon poses some risks because of those injuries, but the rewards are just absolutely phenomenal. I've talked a lot about it in previous shows, how stinking good he is, how great he is at strikeout rate, at some of the things that uh, DeGrom does pretty well of not walking a whole lot of pitchers. He also doesn't go as deep into games. DeGrom, I think, does a little bit better of a job when he is healthy, as you can see by all those seasons where he had you know 200 plus innings, 210, 212, whatever plus innings in his career. And when he had a full season to work with, he was pretty good at going deeper into games while still because he limits those walks at such an insane clip. He is the best in baseball at limiting walks and also the best at strikeouts. So he's not like some of those strikeout pitchers where 
they'll get 12 Ks um, and they'll be pulled in the middle of the fifth inning. That happens um, to, well, quite a few White Sox guys are the ones that are coming to mind. But Rodon is a little bit kind of like that. He has had a little bit of an issue with that. He got better at that last year, pitched 170 plus innings. I think it was 178 for the Giants last year. So you don't want to put too big a stress on the bullpen. And Martin Perez has shown consistently he can go six, seven innings um, most times out. That is great. That is, um, I think he's even more valuable with the signing of DeGrom, having someone who you know can take that load off your bullpen in case DeGrom does get hurt, of just like eating up some innings. And I think John Gray can can get better at that. He showed a little bit of a proclivity to do that last year. I think he could also improve. Same with Dane Dunning um, whenever he gets healthy, assuming that's maybe at the start of the season, maybe it's a little bit later. But having those guys in there um, to eat some innings and not put as huge a workload on the bullpen as the Rangers did last year, I think could be good. But you need another top end of the rotation guy to start competing. This this lineup is pretty good. Probably needs one more piece. Nothing too extravagant. I think buying low on one of those um, left-handed hitting outfielders like a Cody Bellinger, Joey Gallo, or AJ Pollock. Any any of the three would be very very happy with. Obviously, my own personal bias of loving Joey Gallo way too much for my own good would probably put him over the top of the other two. I genuinely do think that he has a is more likely to have a comeback season than the other two Bellinger's ceiling is obviously the highest of these guys he is the youngest of these guys but with his bat speed kind of falling off there are some real concerns that this might just be who Cody Bellinger is and if the Dodgers couldn't fix him then maybe nobody can but I still think that one of those guys is worth the risk because the Rangers have a few guys in left field in terms of left field prospects that are coming up that could take that everyday spot and be pretty good. I think Bubba Thompson might end up being that guy because we've seen the defensive value, what he does on the base pass. And offensively, I think he is getting a whole lot better. There is more in there. He has continued to improve and improve and improve to the point where I'm not really sure what his offensive ceiling was. I thought I knew what it was like three years ago, but I thought that was less than a big leaguer, but he proved that he can be an everyday big leaguer. Now, is he going to be the best left fielder in all of baseball? No, but I think he could be pretty darn solid. And I think that might be good enough, but that is a long winded way of saying, uh, I think a one year pillow deal to wait on the likes of maybe Aaron Zavala or uh, maybe Dustin Harris to kind of compete with Bubba Thompson or Ezekiel Duran or whoever else is is fighting for that left field job is kind of the move. Spending long-term money, like four or five-year deals, I don't really think that's necessarily what the Rangers should do because if Evan Carter comes up, if, if Leody figures it out and ends up being an average offensive center fielder, then you can put Evan Carter in left field, Adolis in right field, and then... Where would you put whoever you're signing to this multi-year deal as a corner outfielder? I don't think that's the smartest move. But I think spending big on one of Carlos Rodon or possibly Kodai Senga is probably the best move. For those of you who don't know about Senga, he is the Japanese pitcher who has declared um, he has been posted to pitch in Major League Baseball. He has spent his entire career in Japan. He is 29 years old, will turn 30 at the end of January this year in Japan. Um, as a 29-year-old, he had a 194 ERA in 144 innings and 156 strikeouts. That is 9.8 strikeouts per nine innings. And the reason that is significant is because it's better than you, Darvish. I'll get into why that matters, what I think he'll do over here, and some possible safer options if the Rangers are wanting to shore up their rotation and 
insure themselves if there is something that happens to Jacob deGrom. But first, this episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. At Locked On Rangers, we believe a home should be where you and your family feel safest, especially around the holidays. This season, give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Locked On Rangers listeners 40% off a new security system. But don't put this off. Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022 US by US News and World Report a third year in a row. In emergency 24/7 professional monitoring agents using fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get a higher priority police response. Don't miss your chance to save big on my favorite security system. Get 40% off any new system at simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB today. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Now, I know on the last episode, I actually, well, I think it was Thursday's episode, so not the last episode, but a few episodes ago, I was talking about the worst case scenario for the Rangers, and I mentioned Chris Bassett as one of the worst case scenarios. Now, I did give the qualifier, if you actually listened to the full episode, that I did not think Chris Bassett was bad, but I did say if the Rangers only ended up with Chris Bassett, I thought that would be something that is not what they should want to do. Now, it's clear he is not going to be the best pitcher that they acquire if they sign Chris Bassett. And I think that he could definitely provide some value and be a good, good complement to one Jacob DeGrom. Last year, he had 30 starts with the Mets, pitched over 180 innings, had a sub 3.5 ERA. He has been fairly consistent as he has gotten a little bit older, made his first All-Star appearance in 2021 with the Oakland A's in 27 starts, pitched 157 innings. The year before, in that shortened season, had a really, really great season for the A's. By far the best of his career, 11 starts, 63 innings, and a 2.29 ERA. Finished 8th in Cy Young voting in 2021. He finished 10th in AL Cy Young voting after earning his All-Star bid. Fell off just a little bit after the All-Star break. Still at 315 ERA in those nearly 160 innings is really darn solid. And what I talked about with Martin Perez providing a lot of value in eating innings, that is something that I think the Rangers could count on if they sign Chris Bassett. He is looking for somewhere in the market of a three-year deal. Um, last, next year, baseball perspective or baseball reference projects him to pitch 167 innings. That would be great. He would probably be the Rangers' number two starter. Maybe it would be him. Maybe it would be Martin Perez. Maybe it would be John Gray. He would kind of be in a similar vein as those guys, but I think a more consistent option also projected for a 340 ERA next year. I think that'd be fine. I would definitely take that from Chris Bassett, but I think maybe going towards the higher end and hoping on Jacob or Carlos Rodon, who is now with the two of the other top pitchers off the board, there's going to be a pretty big bidding war for Carlos Rodon. The projection on what contract he would get is pretty massive from Track. I think they've been kind of overestimating uh, what some of these guys have made, but I don't think they had Justin Verlander making two years, uh, $86 million with the third-year vesting option. That was pretty darn interesting. But speaking of contracts, the details about the final year of Jacob deGrom's contract, this comes from the AP. There are some very, very specific um, 
things that are going into this. Um, they say, quote, the conditional option comes into play if DeGrom undergoes Tommy John surgery or any sort of right elbow slash shoulder injury during the 2023 through 26 seasons that keeps him on the injured list for 130 consecutive days during any season or 186 days in a row during the service period, according to the Associated Press. Um, that is a lot of conditions, but it goes on. There are more. Quote, the 2028 conditional option is worth at least $20 million, but that number jumps to $30 million if DeGrom pitches at least 625 innings during the life of the contract or finishes in the top five in Cy Young voting. Should he pitch at least 725 innings and record at least three top Cy Young finishes, the option will be worth $37 million. If DeGrom doesn't meet those specifications in 2023 through 26, the option can still be worth $37 million if in 2028 he pitches 160 plus innings in 2027, has a top five Cy Young finish, and is judged by an independent doctor to be healthy heading into 2028. End quote. That is... That is a lot. That is a lot of qualifications, but let's kind of take them a little bit one at a time. Uh, start. It starts off, at least, it could be worth $20 million. Talks about 625 innings during the life of the contract. That is 125 innings per season. That is what it is averaging at the kind of bottom end and finishes in the top five Cy Young voting. I think that's just one top five Cy Young voting finish, which I think he could definitely have. If he has one of those seasons with 150 innings, then that's that's kind of a bare minimum. He's definitely going to have that. Also, if he has, you know, say three healthy seasons and two very unhealthy seasons, so three healthy seasons, like completely healthy, where he pitches uh, 200 innings, say, and then two seasons where he pitches uh, 25 innings in each, that's where this would be at the bottom end of this contract. That is just me doing math off the top of my head. Now, if it's 725 innings, that is over 150 innings, I think, per season. Maybe that's right. Um, yeah, I think I think that's about what it is. Maybe 140 to 150 innings per season, which I think is what they're kind of hoping that he gets. They're hoping that this this uh, sixth year vests and that he is able to do that. But it seems like a, a big kind of counterweight to where they're going to get that sixth year. They want to have that sixth year and they want him to be fully healthy for it. Because if he is fully healthy, let's imagine the, the perfect scenario. The perfect scenario where he's healthy all five of these years. All five of these years and averaging $37 million average annual value. And and 42-year-old Justin Verlander is going to get 43. And, you know, at his peak, as good as as good as Justin Verlander is, he is not as good as Jacob deGrom. Even at his best, he is not as good as Jacob deGrom's best. And, J- and, Carlo- and uh, Jacob deGrom would be taking, it looked like a massive deal. If he is healthy for even three out of these five seasons, and then, like, moderately healthy like about what he's done the last couple of years of averaging like 90 100 innings per season um in the final two of these years i think that's still a massive massive win for the rangers and honestly an underpay for the guy who has been just so incredibly good i think that you cannot afford 
I know you cannot afford to waste these seasons right now. The Rangers are jamming their window wide open right now at this very moment. They are looking at the back end of some of these contracts and Corey Seager, whenever he's 38 and getting paid uh, $30 million, whenever Marcus Simeon is like 39 and making $25 million, those contracts are not going to look great. Um, but the Rangers are jamming their window open right this very second. I thought, you know, heading into the 2021 offseason, it's like, all right, well, if you're really trying to target 2023 for we got to make the playoffs. You got to make some big moves. And they did last year with the two superstar signings and John Gray and the Martin Perez one ended up looking great. Um, they made the trade for Mitch Garver that didn't really work out last year, but could end up working out this upcoming year. And then they spent big on DeGrom. So that window is pried wide open. Marcus Simeon is going to be, I believe, 32 next season. Uh, let's see, where'd we go? Um, Mitch Garver is going to be 32 next season. Marcus Simeon is going to be 32 next season. I think that you can only count on Marcus Simeon as, as durable as he's been. I think he's one of the safer-ish bets to make on a guy, you know, staying healthy and staying productive through age 35, maybe, maybe kind of handling his aging curve like Beltre because he's so diligent and consistent in, you know, how he takes care of his body i think it's a good bet to keep him healthy for you know another three four seasons but after that once you hit age like 36 even if you are one of the healthier guys in baseball it just kind of tails off so the point is having these superstar guys as the anchors of your lineup and your team is is betting on them being good right now so they needed to open pry open this window right now because if you're going to spend big on these guys you need them to be good early on in the contract, and you need to maximize that. And the Rangers didn't maximize that. They wasted a year of Seager and Simeon with a 94 loss season. It was a 98. I don't remember. Anyway, doesn't matter. It was a losing season, and they did not make the playoffs. They did not get their bite at the apple to just kind of squirm in there and, you know, have a magical run and win a World Series with those guys. That is the goal, is to win a World Series during the life, at least one, during the life of these contracts with Seager and Simeon, and now DeGrom as well. So you might as well keep going. Keep going. The luxury tax this year is at $233 million. If you add that $30 million of Rodon, or you add, say, Kodai Senga gets four years, $60 million. I honestly have no idea that was the first and only projection that I saw of his contract sounds about right. Cause I think that's about um, what the uh, say Suzuki got last year coming out of Japan to sign with the Cubs. So maybe that's right, but I say you can't stop there. And I think next year, next year might end up being the biggest splash of all of them. I have thought this for a while and I don't think I have said it on the podcast before, but I think next year, when he is a free agent, the Rangers are going to make a huge, ginormous push for Shohei Otani. Throw literally all the money there. So if they're coming in this next year at 180-ish million dollars on the books, and I don't think they'll have much going off, maybe they'll have to reassign Martin Perez, but that'll take twenty million dollars off. And maybe if he gets, you know, somewhere in a three-year, $45 million deal next year, and that would actually lower the payroll heading into 2024 and give the Rangers about 40, actually 50 
maybe $60 million to push up against that luxury tax before they hit that. And I think, I think they might do that. They might go offer, they might go offer Shohei Otani a five year, $250 million deal or six years, $300 million because someone's going to be the first to make $50 million. And if, if there's a, if there's a, better person out there to go do it than Shohei Otani, who has been quite literally baseball Jesus for the last two years or most of his career, then I don't know who is going to do it. Uh, He had some interest in the Rangers beforehand, before he came over and signed with the Angels. The Rangers, I thought, were going to get him, and they ended up finishing second in, in the Otani sweepstakes. He wants to win. He wants to win badly. And if the Angels screwed up again this year and missed the playoffs, which honestly it's in all likelihood. Um, it seems like they will, even if you get a healthy Mike Trout and a, a healthy Otani, I, I still think they might end up missing the playoffs and he could see Otani could see what the Rangers are doing and how they willing to spend. They are and how many resources they're going to put behind the team and hopefully are in a better direction, even than a franchise who has wasted Mike Trout for over a decade at this point, then uh, the Rangers might have the inside track there to go get him. Or maybe he wants to stay on the West Coast and goes and signs with the Dodgers because the Dodgers also have unlimited money and are willing to spend it um, because that would be so upsetting and fitting if he went to the Dodgers. But I think the Rangers are kind of gearing up for that. We saw them you know, gearing up to spend every offseason for the last couple of years, and it was kind of earmarked that DeGrom was going to be their target this year, and they went and got him. So... Maybe next year, the Rangers can make the playoffs and show that improvement and say, "Hey, look, Otani, do you want to come? You want to come join what we're doing here?" And the Rangers have a competitive team that makes the playoffs in 2023. Maybe they get knocked out. Maybe they go on a deep run. I don't know, but I think that might be enough to kind of at least grab the attention and maybe be one of the finalists to sign Shohei Otani. Man, wouldn't that be something to dream about? I might literally die on air podcasting about the Rangers signing Shohei Itani if they do that next season. But thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. Tomorrow's show, I'm talking with Grant Schiller of Baseball Perspectives, who just came out with their top 10 Rangers prospect list. We're probably going to talk more about DeGrom and if something has happened, some big signing has happened while I have been recording this. Also on the Wednesday show, I peg, um, I'm putting it in there for Wednesday, a crossover with uh, Ryan Finkelstein, a host of Locked on Mets, to talk about the great Jacob deGrom. But that's going to do it for today's edition. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball.